Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Neil Thompson Speaks, where we talk to people who broke free of the corporate world shackles to start their own business. I'm your host, Neil Thompson, official corporate shackle breaker. You can find this podcast on my website, neilthompsonspeaks.com. You can also find it on iTunes or Stitcher. Please subscribe and share. Let's start 2017 off with a bang. Speaker and trainer Melanie Klinghoffer, founder of Powerful Transformation, has had an interesting career. Since in staffing and academia led her to start her company, which focuses on harnessing human potential. Through keynotes, breakout sessions, and mentoring, she helps people become their best selves. I'm interested in chatting with her about her motivation for becoming self-employed, her love of public speaking, and her future plans. Let's bring her in now. Hello, Melanie. Welcome to Neil Thompson Speaks. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for, for calling in, and thanks for being a guest today. First question. So I do a bit of research on, on everyone who appears on the podcast, and I noticed that you have a law degree. Did you ever work as a lawyer? Did not. I did pro bono work. I represented some domestic violence victims against their abusers, and I also did child protection mediation for the District of Columbia Superior Court, but I didn't actually practice law. It's a long story why I didn't go into it. I am licensed in Florida. But I ended up blending my legal and my business background and working for one of the largest legal staffing and search firms in the world after I finished my law degree. Okay, well, the fact that you didn't actually get paid to do the work you did, I'm sure the people that you worked for and with appreciated all of your efforts. But uh, Absolutely. I'm sorry, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say my law degree is... (laughs) <laughs> my my law degrees actually did pay off in my own business. I, I have written all my own contracts. I do all my own negotiations. I do all my own legal research. I formed, you know, I knew how to form my own business. I know how to protect my intellectual property. So the uh, the legal knowledge certainly didn't go to waste. It's something I valued. It was a great experience to go through law school. I actually have a master's in litigation as well. And uh, it pays off every day, not only in doing the transactional type of work for my own business, like the contracts and, and things like that, but it also comes in handy when I'm giving advice to clients. I don't actually give direct legal advice, but I certainly use that knowledge and that skill to support them in their pursuits, whether it be business or personal. Well, look at that. You're like a twofer. People come for, for, for their personal <laughs> selves and they get some legal advice too. Why not? So the, you mentioned that you worked in um, you worked in in legal staffing. Is that the last employee job that you've ever had? Right. I worked for an organization called Inside Edge Legal, which was a division of Major Lindsay in Africa, the uh, the world's largest um, legal search firm. 
and I ran two of their divisions. I actually launched two divisions for them, the Mid-Atlantic and the Southeast region. And that was my last position in corporate America before I opened my own business. Okay, excellent. So what exactly motivated you to become self-employed? I knew for many years that I wanted to own my own business and not necessarily from the perspective of wanting to be, quote, unquote, a business owner, but for the benefits of it. For example, the flexibility and the freedom to serve the client base that I really wanted to serve, you know, with my own content, during my own time frames, and um, with my own rates and things like that. So I knew while I was working in corporate America that I was moving towards opening my own business. And actually, I began to serve my clients while I was still working for the company that I was working for. I built my business part-time. And actually, um, inside Edge Legal, the, the senior team, the management team, knew I was doing that. It was a very transparent um, pursuit. They knew that I was doing seminars and workshops and that I was probably at some point going to end up leaving and doing it, and I ended up you know, moving on and, and opening my own business full-time or taking it from part-time to full-time about maybe six months after I had started building my book of business while I was still working full-time. You know, that's a, an excellent strategy for, for potential entrepreneurs to take. You don't necessarily have to jump, you know, well, with both feet well, right away. You can start your business while you're still you still have a steady income and, and build your clientele or build your business from there. And then once you get to that point where you really need to invest all your time into your business, and then, then you can make the make that jump. So that's, that's, that's an excellent idea. So, you know, one thing that I often, one thing that I often think about when it comes to people starting their own business is or the reason why a lot of people may not, even though they want to, is the, the fear that's involved. Well, you know, when you work at a company, every other week you get paid, hopefully, and you have you know that's that's coming in. When you're an entrepreneur, you you don't necessarily know when the money's coming in or if it's coming in, really. So, how did you get past that fear, if you had any fear, of starting your own business? Um, you know, I knew by watching different people in my life who had owned their own business the uncertainty that came from business ownership. And so I knew it was going to most likely be a roller coaster ride, and it has been. It's been a crazy ride. Some, you know, some months are fantastic, other times are really challenging. So you have to go into it with the mindset knowing that you have to be very resilient. You have to really grow sort of your resilient muscle and focused on riding out the hard times. So knowing where you've been successful in the past and remembering the wins that you've had so that during the difficult times you can go, okay, I've survived that and I've done that and I've overcome that. I know I can overcome and survive this and keep moving forward. So I overcame the fear. I read a book years ago that I think also helped me called Feel the, uh, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers. So that was, I think, one of the tools that I use to help me build that resilience and knowing that, you know, everyone feels fear. I, I still feel fear in different areas of my life, but it's what you do with that fear that matters. Do you let it paralyze you or do you let it fuel you? And in my case, in my personality, typically throughout my life, I've allowed fear to fuel me, not paralyze me. It has paralyzed me in, at different times in different ways. Typically, I have the ability to tap into my strengths, my inner strengths, my resilience, 
and push past that so that I can get out of being paralyzed in that fear quicker and smoother and, and move into, um, into action. And I think, you know, I learned, I've been listening to Tony Robbins for years, and one of the, the, the main things he says is, you know, inaction is what paralyzes you. Activity keeps you going, keeps you moving forward, and, um, and propels you to, uh, to success. So I just focus on action, even if I don't feel excited about it, even if, if I feel fearful of it, if I'm not sure what's going to happen, I just keep moving. I just keep taking action. And it has never failed me. Hmm, that's excellent advice. It sounds like your clients are getting their money first. <laughs> you're giving, you're giving, you're I like giving, to think so. I'm sorry, Neil, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask you about, about your, your business, Powerful Transformations. What exactly does it do you provide clients? What do you do? Sure. I'll answer. Let me just just um, share a thought with you based on the last question real quick. I use the okay. exact same things I use for myself with my clients. So I always push them into taking action when they feel fear and tapping into their well of resilience and inner strength and focus and, and things like that. So the, the key thing that I believe has really separated me from a lot of other mentors, coaches, speakers is I don't just deliver theory or support. I really, really emphasize execution and strong strategies. So create a strong strategy and execute. Don't sit around and wait for it to execute itself. You must execute. That's been what I've taught my clients because that's how I operate in regards to the action. And to answer your, your current question for powerful transformations, Powerful Transformations is its so funny. It aligns with the name. It's evolved over the years. When I first launched it in 2012, it started as a coaching practice for career-related um, for, uh, career related goals for my clients. So I would coach on how to build an effective LinkedIn profile, how to handle your job search, interviewing skills, networking skills, uh, all of those types of things that related to career and job search, uh, career advancement in regards to advancing in leadership and asking for salary increases. And then it evolved into a lot of personal development and leadership development. So it's gravitated a lot into and where it is now into leadership, change management, and um, strategic planning, you know, those types of areas, and a lot of transformation. So right now, where Powerful Transformation stands is I do keynote speaking, I do live events such as workshops, seminars, training, corporate training, I've worked with Kaiser, California Highway Patrol, the Newport Group. Um, I've worked with a local, um, one of the top law firms in San Diego, Antonio Miranda, who does divorce and family law, and do a lot of team building and employee engagement with them as well. So it's sort of morphed into working more with corporate clients, associations, public sector, and really supporting them with their goals in whatever area they may be either struggling with or stuck in or they really need to enhance in order to reach their end goals, such as profitability or, you know, collaboration. Uh, whatever their goals are, we create programs and, and design um, opportunities to reach those goals. That's where I'm focused right now, and it's been really exciting because it's just growing every day. 
I'm doing webinars now. I'm doing um, consulting. I'm doing mentoring, professional mentoring. I'm doing much more speaking, which is truly my passion. I love to do keynote speaking and live events. Wow, that's 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 quite a bit considering your your beginnings in 2012 and just coaching to all the the things, all the the facets of your business that exist now. Did, did all of that kind of happen based on what you wanted to do, or were people approaching you asking for certain things and you just deciding, well, yeah, I could, I could do that too? Uh, the majority of what I'm doing now has come to me through referrals. I've been referred by past students of mine. I used to teach at the University of Phoenix. I taught there for seven and a half years in the organizational development curriculum. So some of my students have sent me referrals, referrals from Pardon me. People who I used to work with, in in uh, you know throughout my career, I was in the staffing, recruiting, and workforce industry for 20 years. So I get a large volume of re- referrals and clients from uh, the, the people who used to work with me, either internally at the companies I worked with and led, or clients that I served. And then I've built a network here in San Diego through different organizations such as Toastmasters. I know Cheryl Roush uh, referred me to you, so that was a referral which I really appreciated. And a lot of, I would say right now about 80% of my business, 80 to 90% of my business is all referral-based. Everything comes to me through referrals. When I first launched my business in 2012, say when I, when I started telling people while I was still working full-time that I was going to build this business and I was doing it part-time, about 50 to 60% of it came through uh, marketing on LinkedIn because I was teaching how to effectively build LinkedIn profiles to leverage, how to leverage LinkedIn to uh, launch your job search and, and, and land your dream career and things like that. So that was a big tool for me at the time, and I still use LinkedIn pretty effectively. And it just grew from there, and then clients would start referring opportunities to me. So in the last two years, all of my business has either come from referrals from people I've, you know, that the, the people I just mentioned, or people who seek me out speaking. They see me out speaking, they approach me afterwards, and they they share with me what you know their organization needs or what they need individually, um, either from a consulting perspective if they're a leader or a manager inside their company, or personally if they want professional mentoring. So a lot of my business now is a mix. You know, obviously, I like I said probably 80% of it comes from referral, but the rest of it comes from people seeing me out speaking. Well, okay, well, 80 to 90%, and then I guess the the rest of it is still using LinkedIn? Um, I still use LinkedIn. I, I definitely don't use it as much as I used to. I'll probably go back to using it more this year. I just haven't haven't had the time or the capacity. It's, you know, I, I, anyone who's, a, who's an entrepreneur who – you know, is sort of managing their business without employees, which I, which is what I'm doing at this point. There's a lot to do front, you know, on the front end and on the back end. So not everything that I would love to be doing right now I'm doing, but slowly moving towards it and, um, and releasing some of the things that I don't necessarily enjoy. So for example, I love to speak. I love to train. I love to co- to mentor. I love to do advising and, and consulting with the organizations that I'm working with. And so some of the back office stuff, like the direct marketing and the media production and some of those things that I'm, I'm not that strong at and I consider to be somewhat weaknesses, I have some other partners coming in to help me with some of those things. So through a referral, I was referred to the Business Training Center. And now they're handling my webinars. I create the content and I deliver the presentation, but they handle all the technology. 
I'm working with the Center for Organizational Effectiveness, do, being, uh, offering consulting services to their public sector clients. They do all the marketing, they do all the contract negotiation, and then they bring me in for a daily rate. It's fantastic. I still do all of that on my own as well, but having these partners allows me not to have to do as much of that, and I can focus on what I truly love. Yeah, that that's, that's that sounds that sounds really great, Melanie. Uh, uh, one question I Thank did you. have about those though, well, you're welcome. One question I did have about the the work that you do with your clients, you, you say that you, most of it, most of them, you get you know eighty to ninety percent, you get through referrals. So they come to you, they have an idea of what they want to to do, and then I guess you collaborate with them on on really developing that idea, and then you you I guess present it to the to to that particular company. And in the in the in the way of a, of a keynote or a live event or you know or a webinar or whatever the case may be, out of curiosity, how long does it usually take you to develop whatever the the company is asking you to develop? I'll give you an example. I just did a motivational program, a two-hour motivational program for Antonia and Miranda, which is the family and divorce um, law firm here in San Diego. The premier, their premier divorce and family law firm. They had an, a retreat for their entire company um, in October, which was fabulous. They had it out at a Temecula Inn, which is beautiful. They really treated their employees really well, their attorneys, their staff. And they wanted to bring in a professional speaker to deliver a motivational program that would excite everybody and, and bring them together in a team environment and really cultivate team building and employee engagement and take where they were in performance to the next level. So I came in, so they contacted me. I'd done a, I'd done a speech at the San Diego County Bar Association. Um, they had called the San Diego County Bar asking for referrals based on my speaking. They said, call Melanie. She was great. They contacted me. I, um, I ended up going in and meeting with them and doing a needs assessment. So I asked them a series of questions about the event, about the challenges that their firm was, was facing, what their vision was for the next five years, how their employees currently are engaged, and what they do for team building, any specific challenges that they were having. And what's really fun is every company is different and every company is unique. They, they have a brand that they were really trying to cultivate buy-in from the employees with and, and generate unity among the employees. So I created a mnemonic based on that brand, which is a razor. And so I created a mnemonic, which is a word for every letter. So R, respect, A, authenticity, Z, zealous, advocacy, and so on and so forth. And we created a concept around the brand. And then I presented that at the motivational program in October and I got everybody excited by doing team building exercises and generating a tremendous amount of positive energy surrounding that brand. And now there's, they created a marketing piece based on that mnemonic that now sits at everybody's desk so that the, the explanation of Razor is in front of them. And so it generated some internal marketing for an area they were struggling with engagement and team building on. And now they've taken their entire in, internal culture and it's elevated them to um, – to a tremendous amount of synergy, alignment, collaboration. They're, they're just doing some amazing things, and, uh, you know, they, they credit that motivational program quite a bit for helping them do that. So to answer your question, I wanted to give you sort of 
some insight. I also met with some of their employees to find out their insights. I met with the leadership and I met with the employees to understand what was going on before I created the motivational program. So every program that I create, I have signature programs and I have custom programs. The custom programs go through a series of steps, a needs assessment, a pre-program questionnaire, and so the needs assessment is probably um, or is typically with the leadership and the employees. And I put the program together based on all of the feedback and my creativity and my insight. And I'm, I'm known for my intuitiveness and my foresight and my, and my strategic planning. So I take all of those skills and I, I put them all together and I create a custom program. So for custom programs, the length of time depends on how many leaders and employees I need to speak with, whether I, I do it over the phone, whether I go there in person, how they answer my questions, how much deeper I need to go. And then I, I work on the program from there. Wow. I, well, I would never, well, actually now that I think about it, I would, uh, divorce attorneys probably do need motivation. <laughs> They're working on pretty, you know, sad, sad cases in a lot of, in a lot of instances. So, I'm sure they appreciated someone coming in, kind of building their spirits up a bit. Divorce isn't a, isn't fun for anyone. You know what? They um their their group is really dynamic. They look at themselves as healers for their clients. They they're a very aggressive firm. They really focus on taking care of their client needs. But everybody needs motivation. But especially when you're in a culture where there's so much um, emotion, right? When people come to, to a, um, an organization that's handling divorce and family, there's a lot of emotion involved. So their attorneys and their staff are trained on how to handle those emotions. They're, they do it very effectively. But we all need motivation. I mean, I'm a motivational speaker and trainer, and I still listen to motivational material every single day when I wake up. That's the first thing that I do. I don't look at my email right away. I either read a chapter or I listen to a, a, cha a you know, a, a, a podcast um, or I, um, you know, I do something. Um, I have daily meditation books. I have, I have all sorts of stuff that I turn to to maintain my own levels of motivation so that I can serve my clients effectively. And so absolutely, they need motivation. Everybody does. Yeah, absolutely. So you've been in business you know, since 2012, so part-time, but full-time, you know, earlier, a little, little later than that. So it's been about, well, it'll be five years now. So in that, in that time that you've been in business, what's been the biggest mistake that you've made? That's a great question, Neil. And the truth of the um, biggest mistake I've made, the biggest mistake I made was spending a lot of money on marketing and branding material before I truly understood what direction I was going to go in. Um, and I'm talking about website um, because I ended up wanting to change it and then I, I didn't feel like it was aligned and I, I had already shelled out a ton of money on it. So I didn't have business cards in the very beginning. I, my, my business came to me through LinkedIn, so I didn't have to invest in business cards right away. I didn't have business cards for my business until I think like nine months after I had launched it. But the website I spent a lot of money on, and the, the designers that I had were fabulous, but I ended up not aligning with that message. So I think the biggest mistake I made was spending too much on the marketing on the front end without doing a lot of my – um, 
you know, I wouldn't say research because I, I knew who I was serving at the time, but I think not understanding what my message was. So I would advise anyone from a shortcut perspective is, you know, don't get crazy about spending a tremendous amount of money on your marketing on the front end unless you, you truly understand and know that your message and your brand is going to be exactly what it is for a while. Because I ended up changing it fairly quickly after. And I still go through transformations and evolutions. I'm, I'm rebuilding my website now again. And, and every successful teacher that I've had who's, who, who now owns a successful business went through similar things as I did, which is, you know, maybe they changed their website 7, 10, 15 times until it got to where they are now and they're happy with it and it's serving the clients that they're serving now and it matches their message. I would just say if, you, you know, if I was giving advice to somebody who was just starting off, Build your book of business first and worry about your marketing a little bit after that. You can build a book of business without a tremendous amount of marketing. I know because I did it. I used LinkedIn and I used connections. I used referrals. I just told everyone in my network that I was building this business and what I was doing, and I asked them to refer people that would be interested, and the referrals just started coming in. I also did some teaching at adult education schools, um, I did like small little workshops, like an hour or two, and just to get my name out there, and I got some clients from doing that. So go out and do some speaking, but don't, you know, don't worry so much about that. Worry about building your book of business, and you don't necessarily need very expensive marketing to do that. Right off the bat, I do believe great marketing is critical for sustainable long-term success, so I'm not telling you not to do that at some point. I'm just saying in the very beginning, people worry about that more than they do about building their book of business. And I think that that's, that's a little misleading. Yeah, that, that's, that's excellent advice. And I'm sure the people who are listening hopefully are taking that to heart. It, you, you know, can have really pretty, you know, one sheets and, and business cards and a nice website, but it, you know, you spend all that money before you actually have any business and at that point, you're not even sure whether your business is even going to be all that successful. See if you're going to get some clients first and then build all that stuff out afterwards to then bring in new clients. That's excellent advice. But uh, those are pretty you. much all the – yeah, well, you're welcome again. Those are pretty much all the questions that I had, Melanie. How can people find you? You can locate my website at uh, www.melanieklinghoffer.com, M-E-L-A-N-I-E-K-L-I-N-G, H-O-F-F-E-R.com. If you'd like to email me with any questions or you have an opportunity for me to be uh, a speaker at your event, you can reach me at transform at melanieklinghoffer.com or 619-888-3511 is my phone number. Wow. Okay. Excellent. So for those of you listening, melanieklinghoffer.com, transform at melanieklinghoffer.com. The number is 619-888-3511. Again, Melanie, thank you so much for calling in to Neil Thompson Speaks. I really appreciate it. This was uh, education. Thank you for having me, Neil. It's been a pleasure, and thanks to your listeners for taking the time to listen to your podcast. Excellent. Well, everybody, that marks the end of another episode of Neil Thompson Speaks. It went by pretty quickly, if you ask me. (laughs) Well, uh, if... uh, to learn more about me and Neil Thompson Speaks, please visit neilthompsonspeaks.com. That's N-E-I-L-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. 
You can also check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. There are links from my website in addition to a link to this podcast. Until next time, please take care.